0: good, everybody? Welcome to episode number 38, the Jamaico Hasty edition of the Gold Standard Podcast. I'm Rob Stats guerrera and with me, as always, a man who I haven't really had the chance to talk to one-on-one since the draft, Levin Black. What's up, Levin? Well, not a whole lot. It's been a peaceful week, yeah, not
1: really, <laughs> but <laughs> it's been peaceful not having to talk to you, but uh, I know I can hear it in your voice. You missed me.
0: I kind of do. That's the scary <laughs> part. I'm not going to deny it. want to remind everybody, please rate, review, subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. They really do help. Helps with business, helps with you seeing us and getting us out there. So if you like what you hear and you want more people to hear it, please subscribe, rate, and review. We've got a lot to do today. We're going to start off with a non-49ers quarterback because I think the 49ers <laughs> dodged a bullet when the Packers told them that they weren't trading Aaron Rodgers. Stuff is happening that is just bizarre, and it's almost hard to believe. So we're going to get into all that. Jed York made some comments to Matt Mayoko on his podcast about Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance and the timeline there that I think, frankly, are just stupid. So we're going to get into that. Levin wants to break his arm, patting himself on the back for some random (laughs) prediction he made back in November. So we got a full plate today on the show.
1: Uh, Yeah, we'll get into that. Saving the best
0: for last, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And if you know something happens to fall off the table and we don't get to it, that would just, you know, what can you do? Those things happen sometimes. All right, let's start with Aaron Rodgers because we're all pumped up for the draft when I talk to everybody. And it's Thursday and we're getting ready to do the live show. And all of a sudden this news breaks that Aaron Rodgers is done with the Packers and that the 49ers looked into it and made an offer. And there was a significant part of time on Thursday 11 where I was legitimately wondering if the 49ers were going to make a move and trade for Aaron Rodgers. Now, we know that didn't happen, obviously. And things since then are insane. Mike Garofalo reported that Aaron Rodgers, as far back as last year, was telling people, uh, prospective Packers free agents, not to sign with the team, or at least, quote, before you make any big decisions, I'm probably not going to be there. I don't know about you, Levin, that's sabotage to me. That is him making it harder for the Packers to keep good players. I got
1: two thoughts on it. One, that's a really costly field goal that Lafleur took in the playoffs. (laughs) That might have been the straw that broke the camel back. (laughs) I didn't think of it that way, but you're kind of right. I mean, it's saying, I'm going to take the field goal and take the ball out of your hands. No quarterback likes that, even if it's illogical. But at that point, he might have been so far gone that that was like the OK, F you. As far as the free agent thing, like it, it depends on how it went down. If Rogers is going out of his way and reaching out to either Green Bay free agents that might be coming back or free agents that are out there that he hears might be interested in Green Bay and he's reaching out and saying, hey, I might not be here. That's bad. But if people are calling him and saying, hey, just checking in, I might come to Green Bay. What do you think? And he's being honest with him. I got no problem with that. Like, what's he supposed to do? Lie? No. He He's going to be honest. And I'm somebody that believes in brutal honesty. Like, could he bow out of the conversation? Yeah. But then the writing's on the wall. They know what that answer is anyway. So you might as well be honest. You know, if somebody calls and says, hey, I might be uh, signing with Green Bay there. They're uh, offering me this deal. What do you think? And you go, "Uh, well, I can't really comment. People are going to go, okay, this guy is not invested in Green Bay and they're going to read between the lines. So what's he supposed to do?
0: Why didn't he say, like he told the media, my future is a beautiful mystery, right? He didn't stay neutral. He said, I'm probably not going to be there. At that point, he's working against the Packers.
1: If it's somebody calling him, though, he's just being honest. Like I said, if it's him reaching out, That's a problem. That is being petty. But if it's just people reaching out to him and he's telling them the truth, like you can't blame a guy for telling the truth. Like it it is what it is. You know, I would be mad at a friend if I called him and said, hey, I might be coming to work for your company. And he goes, "Okay, cool. And doesn't really say anything. And then I accept the job and he's gone. And the company
0: is suddenly in shambles. Like I would be pissed. Be like, dude, why didn't you give me a heads up? But you got to make the decision independent of that. you got to make the decision on what's best for you.
1: What's best for just about anybody is chasing a Super Bowl. And if Rodgers is gone, they're not chasing a Super Bowl.
0: Like, that is a big deal. I think the whole situation stinks. Now, I I do want to point out that, because I think it's fair to point out, that David Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones have both re-signed with the Packers in the last two years, so that, you know, I, I... I think you should mention that because it's, you know, it's not like he actively turned people away, but just the fact that he was doing that at all. Like how many times have we talked about how everybody's got to be pulling in the same direction and you got to get a lot of funny bounces to win a Super Bowl. Like weird stuff has to happen. And this quarterback Aaron Rodgers is telling people, Hey, I might not be here making it harder for the team to sign people. I am so glad that they told the 49ers not to, not to, they we're going to trade him and that the Niners should just do their own thing in the draft. I am super glad. I think the 49ers dodged a huge bullet. I don't care how many touchdown passes Aaron Rodgers throws. See, I,
1: I don't see it that way because Rodgers is mad at one team in particular. That goes away once he's traded. He's not somebody that's sitting around and being a constant issue for a bunch of different teams. He is somebody that's upset with his current team and rightfully so. I don't blame him for being upset. This is the Russell Wilson, Seattle Seahawks situation two years in the future where the Seahawks have still not addressed anything. You have a all time great quarterback sitting there and you ain't doing shit to help him. Nothing. You're not getting him a wide receiver. You're not listening to him. You're not going, Hey, what could we do to help you? You're just doing what you think is best and cutting him completely out of the picture. All of the great, franchise quarterbacks have at least gotten some say, or at least had their opinion asked for. So I don't blame him for being pissed off and saying, you know what, I'll go do something else. That's not in green Bay, Wisconsin. Like I think that is part of this, by the way, I think part of it is he's looking at his post NFL future and he's wanting to have something to do. So he's wanting to be more around, not necessarily in the media market, but somewhere that's closer so he can actually do more stuff.
0: But here's the thing. How long till Aaron Rodgers found something in San Francisco to be upset about? Like a a petty guy like that is going to find stuff. The idea that you could say, well, I know he was a petty jerk with other people for 20 years, but now that we've got him, he's going to be cool. Like, no, he's going to find something to be upset about. Reportedly, the straw that broke the camel's back was that the Packers cut Jake Kumaro without consulting him. Jake Kumaro sucks. Like, he's nothing in the NFL. We got to call Aaron Rodgers to tell him, hey, we're going to cut this, what, fourth or fifth wide receiver? Like, give me a break. That's insane. I want no part of this guy in San Francisco. I think it's the best thing that ever happened to this team that he didn't get traded on draft night. Good luck dealing with that. And it makes me feel even better, by the way, about Kyle Shanahan, because even Jimmy Garoppolo said this week, that the communication from him and John Lynch has been awesome. And that's one of Kyle's biggest strengths is that he follows the 11 black plan of brutal <laughs> honesty with everybody. So I am loving that Rogers is not going to be here. And I like that. At least Kyle Shanahan seems to be operating the way you have to operate. If you have an elite quarterback.
1: I mean, the Niners were in on him. The Niners. I, I think this is one of the biggest omissions in the post draft stuff and nobody picked up on it. Like, I tweeted something out, didn't get much of a reaction. doesn't seem like anybody cares. I think it's a big admission. Kyle Shanahan, I forget what show he was on, whether it was KNBR or Rich Eisen, but he was doing one of his post-draft interviews, and he said, once we knew Stafford and Deshaun, or once we were out on Desa- uh, Stafford and Deshaun, we transitioned to rookies. They literally admitted they were in on Deshaun. That's the first time that that's happened. There's only been rumors up to that point and Nobody picked up on it. Like he literally admitted they looked into Deshaun and it's rumored that they offered three first round picks for Deshaun. So it would seem logical that that's what they offered. Cause that's ultimately what they ended up trading to get the rookie quarterback that they wanted. I think that's a big admission, but that also shows Shanahan was okay. Going and finding a vet like it was not. He wants a rookie on a rookie deal. He just wants a good quarterback.
0: Yeah, to me, what it shows is come hell or high water, he wasn't going through another season with Jimmy Garoppolo a quarterback <laughs> like he was going to find a way. I mean, Stafford, Watson, Ro- I mean, Rogers on the day of the draft after they gave up three first round picks and more to move up to number three, like he's willing to take big swings. And whatever happened, he wasn't going through another full year of Jimmy Garoppolo a quarterback.
1: I think it's more that he was not going through a full year with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback with a backup that is Bethard and Nick Mullins. He wants a secondary option. I think Jimmy could end up starting the season. I don't think he'll be starting at the end of the season. I'd be really surprised if Trey Lance sits out his entire rookie deal. But I do think that there's a pretty good chance that Jimmy Garoppolo ends up starting the season as the starter before he gets moved for whatever they can get. And maybe even they keep them around till the offseason and move them in the offseason just to have a backup once again in case something happens due to injury. And we saw that in the post-draft. They talked about how they cannot do what they've been doing. They cannot rely on trusting that their big players don't get injured, basically. You know, they phrased it a different way, but that's basically what they were saying. We can't go into a season hoping we have better health. We needed to have backup plans at pretty much all positions so that if injuries happen, we're covered. And that's why I'm not convinced Jimmy gets moved this year.
0: I think that just proves that they've been listening to the gold standard podcast. I mean, how (laughs) long have we been talking about the fact that Kyle and John cannot keep rolling the dice on guys with lengthy injury histories at key spots? I think they admitted, if you listen to what they said in the post-draft press conference, that they saw the error of their ways, and they're not doing that, that they changed how they evaluate these guys from a medical perspective. And that that, like Shanahan said, they just can't have another year like last year where they just got absolutely decimated. So I was super encouraged. That was probably the most encouraging thing I heard from anybody in the Niners organization after the draft.
1: Yeah, and that's been the thing I think on our show in particular we have been most critical about this regime, is that they have pretty much said – Injuries are, aren't uh, predictable. So we're going to sign anybody, <laughs> no matter what their injury history is, just based on talent. And you saw that with the Quan Alexander deal. You saw that with the D Ford deal. Neither of those I necessarily blame them on. Quan, I think they probably overpaid D Ford. I mean, it, it was a move worth making. Yes. But at the same time, it shows what they were doing. They were saying, we want talent. We don't care about the injuries because we trust they're going to be healthy. And now they've gone out and said, eh, no, we're not going to do that anymore. And we still want talent, but we're going to factor in injuries, too. And I mean, that that's something that we've been arguing about and bringing up since before we were a podcast. <laughs>
0: that's true. <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't hard to see. That's the thing. Like, it's really not hard to diagnose. I'm sure. I mean. Obviously, they're aware of it now. I don't know how they couldn't have been before all these injuries hit, but it was clearly an issue. Now, so that was something encouraging that we heard the 49ers say after the draft. But Jed York has said something to Matt Mayoko that I find ridiculous and discouraging. And I'm going to tell you what that is when we come back and why someone needs to tell Jed to stop talking. Welcome back to the Gold Standard Podcast. All right, Levin, before we went to break, I mentioned something that Jed York said that was discouraging. And he was talking about Jimmy Garoppolo and how long he's going to be the starter and how long they're going to wait before Lance gets into the lineup. And he said, quote, we've talked about this internally. If we're in a situation where Jimmy goes out and takes us to a Super Bowl again and has an MVP caliber season and does it again, there are worse dilemmas to be in. And Jimmy certainly has the ability to do that. No, he doesn't. He continued. If he doesn't play until he's 23, but he's got a 15-plus year career, how long did Aaron Rodgers sit? Two or three years before he played? Now, I don't know everything about NFL History 11, but correct me if I'm wrong. NFL teams don't usually trade three first-round picks and a third for a guy that's not going to play in two years, do they?
1: No, and they also don't get in on Stafford. They don't get on in on Deshaun or Aaron Rodgers if they truly believe the guy they have can be an MVP caliber quarterback. Like, that part of it is the ridiculous part. The two years part of it is a ridiculous part. Like, yeah, one year, I think that that could, could definitely end up happening. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea to keep Jimmy around this entire season. But after that, get whatever the hell you can get form, even if it's only like a sixth round pick, it doesn't matter. Like at that point it needs to be Trey's team, but this year, yeah, you could ensure that you're not costing yourself a super bowl contending year. And that's what I harped on for the last couple of months between us is that you, you want to make sure you don't waste a super bowl contending year. So keeping Jimmy around isn't necessarily a bad idea in case Trey takes a little while with a complicated system.
0: We'll get to when Lance should be inserted into the starting lineup, but I just want to say, like, the 49ers need to stop talking now. Stop talking about the draft. Stop talking about who they liked. They don't have to say anything now about when Trent Lance is going to. Just stop talking. It's not serving you. You're not getting anything out of it. And I know they're trying to preserve Jimmy's trade value, so they keep saying good things about it. But, like, this is ridiculous. Nobody believes this. Nobody believes that the 49ers are really going to give up all that for Trey Lance and then sit him for 2 years. Like what are we doing here? Just shut up. Stop talking. It's not doing you any good. In fact, I think it's it's hurting you. It's making you look dumb, quite honestly.
1: In particular, Jed needs to go back to being quiet now. Like it yes. was it was kind of funny what he was doing during free agency being part of the I don't know what you want to call it drunk gate or whatever you want to call those (laughs) tweets. (laughs) And then what he was doing the morning of the draft that, that was hilarious to me. Like you're trolling your own family. I know you did you you're Mr. Grump over there, (laughs) but I thought it was funny, but it was teetering on a line of when is this unprofessional? And when is this just kind of funny having good fun? And that line came and went with the draft. Like, Okay, be quiet now. You're not Jerry Jones. You're not running the team. People don't necessarily want to hear from you. I mean, yes and no. Like I like Jed York quite a bit. I think he's a good owner. But at the same time, he has John Lynch for a reason. He has Kyle Shanahan for a reason. And the reason is for them to be the front of the team and not him. So it's like it was all fun and games, but that's over now.
0: The more we hear from Jed York, generally the worse things are for the 49ers, right? <laughs> At the end of the Harbaugh tenure, he was tweeting apologies to the fans and saying all this dumb stuff about Jim Tom Su- Like, the more we hear from Jed York, generally things are not good for the 49ers. Enough, Jed. Act like you're an NFL owner. Don't act like you're the child in the room with the phone. Stop it. Go back to being quiet. Let Kyle and John do their thing. And then you can go collect your rings, hopefully. Like, enough is enough now when trey lance should start that's a whole different discussion i've been on this network all week saying him from the word go it's crazy to me to do anything else and here's why levin as everyone has said so many times he throw less than 400 passes in college he only played one game in 2020 if you sit him for the entire first year he's going to have played one game of football in two years and then you're just going to throw him to the wolves That doesn't make sense to me. I'm with Kyle Posey on this one. All his issues can be fixed by getting under center and getting reps, and I say the sooner the better. It all
1: depends on what he looks like. Like, I'm going to be the fence sitter here. I've been the fence sitter for the last couple of months on this topic before we knew it was Trey Lance when we were just talking theoretical rookie quarterback. When he's ready, he's ready. Now, that doesn't mean he has to be able to come in and right away run – the offense and know the offense to the level that Jimmy Garoppolo does because that takes a couple years like he's not going to be able to know the playbook inside and out right away but at some point it's going to be clear that his athleticism and that he's far enough along in the playbook that he's the better option that his ability to do off script script stuff and hit a deep ball once in a while (laughs) is worth replacing Jimmy Garoppolo. It's just a matter of when that is. It could be day one. It could be apparent right away in training camp. It could be in preseason once he gets on the field and you know some people aren't practice players. Some people are gamers. Or it could be some couple weeks into the season. Like I don't think Jimmy will start all season. I don't care how far along unless he's a train wreck for some reason, which I don't think he will be, but if he's a train wreck, yeah, keep starting Jimmy. But if he just Looks like okay. He's probably ready, but we're not sure. Make the make the move. You know that's the time to make the move. You don't have to be absolutely sure. I'm not saying like you got to wait until he is 100. You're you know for sure he's ready, but you also don't just want to throw him in just because.
0: So you're saying the tie goes to Lance.
1: Yeah, basically the tie goes to Lance, and the moment that you see he's competent enough in the passing and knowing your passing formations and. And your play calls and knowing like how to make what adjustments to make at the line of scrimmage based on what he's seen with the defense, you make the move because his athleticism and ability to make moves and extend drives with his feet is worth quite a bit. I mean, we've seen bad quarterbacks find success early in their career just because of their athleticism. Vince Young, I think, is the prime example of that. Vince Young won a lot early in his career until teams figured out. Well, if we just run these concepts at him, he'll never figure them out (laughs) because he doesn't watch film. But I do have kind of an interesting idea on when to insert Trey Lance, how how to get his feet wet. And I'm not talking
0: Taysom Hill BS. Oh, thank God. Okay, Before you get to that, can I respond to the first part of what you said? Go for it. Okay. (laughs) Because you brought up a good point about practice and like, you know, supposedly we'll know because of how Trey Lance looks in practice. Chris Sims talks about this all the time on his shows that basically like the other players in the team watch the practices and they see who looks good, who's throwing the ball well. Does he have zip on it? Is he picking stuff up? They, They see all that. It becomes evident to them very, very quickly. And... When they start to see the same thing over and over again consistently, like an opinion starts to form in the locker room, like, hey, this is the guy we should be going with. I think that's going to favor Lance, especially when you consider the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is not a very good practice player. Like you said, he is one of those guys that is better in the games than he is in practice. Remember the five straight interception practice that everybody talked about forever? Like, he is just not a very good practice player. Kyle Posey has said it many times on this network that, a lot of stuff has gone on in practice that really has kind of gone underreported with Jimmy. He doesn't look good at times. So if that's happening, and Lance is, you know, looking fantastic, he might start to win over the locker room there, which is why I, I just feel like if Jimmy is on the team, there's this whole cloud of potential bad that the 49ers are not going to want to have to deal with, as you say, in a year where potentially they think they have a Super Bowl roster.
1: Yeah, and in and, and that scenario... It will have to be Trey Lance's arm, and I guess you want to call it mind, of knowing where to throw that will shine because athleticism of a quarterback doesn't show as much in practice because you can't hit the quarterback. So there's no like, oh, let me get out and bootleg this all of a sudden and scramble for a bunch of yards. They don't really do that in practice. You know, you, you don't see that very much because they want you to make the throw, even if it's somewhat covered to give the wide receiver reps. Like nobody cares that, okay, the quarterback run 30 yards, cool. Unless they're actually doing like a, a competition where they need to score as part of this drive. You know, that that's when it will kind of change. But yeah, it it's going to be his throwing. I think Jimmy might be changing a philosophy because he has said about those interceptions that sometimes he's experimenting and making some throws that he wouldn't necessarily make in the game. Well, when you're in a quarterback competition, you, you don't do that in practice. <laughs> so he might not be uh, taking as many gambles in practice now that he has competition there.
0: Yeah, and he's been out in the – he did a car wash where he was going on a bunch of shows this week saying he's going to do everything he can to help Trey Lance, and that's all well and good. But even if you said, Jimmy, you weren't going to do a damn thing to help Trey Lance, Trey Lance is going to be the starting quarterback on this team sooner rather than later. So I don't really care what you have to say because you're not giving up all that draft capital for a guy that's not going to be starting.
1: So my idea, to circle this back, of how to get Trey Lance's feet wet, so to speak, there is a particular area of the field that having a scrambling quarterback is extremely valuable, even if he's not a very good passer, because it's an area where the field gets short and passing windows aren't as open and a quarterback that can suddenly scramble and score the touchdown is a massive deal that the defense has to account for and affects how they can play defense. I would be in favor, as long as Trey Lance, like I said, is not a train wreck in practice, of when they get to the red zone, a place that this team has struggled with under Kyle Shanahan, it's a place where his system doesn't quite work as well because his system's all about spreading out the defense, and you can't do that in the red zone, insert Trey Lance. Make him the red zone quarterback because his scrambling is highly valuable at that point.
0: No, I don't like that. Like to me that's kind of gadget like. That, that kinda reminds me of Kaepernick in twenty eleven and a little bit in twenty twelve too, before he took over. That's exactly what I don't want. If he can be the quarterback in the red zone, he can be the quarterback the rest of the way too. Like what what are we gonna bring in one guy for third down and one guy for red zone? Like I, I just I don't wanna see that. And I agree with you. That's I think an area where Lance's mobility could be a huge asset, not only in the red zone, but what I wanna see. Is Kyle use him running power and use that mobility if it's third and one and especially fourth and one, fourth and two? No more kicking field goals and punting. Do what the Chiefs did against the Niners in the Super Bowl and what the Ravens do with Lamar all the time. On fourth down, put the ball in the quarterback's hands and let him make something happen. So that's another reason why I want Trey out there early because I'm tired of seeing that crap on fourth down.
1: You know, I don't disagree with you. I knew that would be your reaction of if he can do it in the red zone, he can do it anywhere. And I don't disagree with you. You know, like I said, the passing windows are tighter in the red zone. So if he's capable of handling that, why wouldn't he be playing elsewhere? But it is an idea that you could insert him because his ability to run for the touchdown. If the defense decides to just sit back and try to cover all the lanes is a massive deal. And it is very hard to account for as Niner fans. know, it is really hard to stop Seattle in the red zone because you might cover everybody up and then Russell Wilson runs for it. And you're like, well, shit, that sucks.
0: <laughs> well, and the thing I like about Lance as opposed to Russ, Lance is six, 200 yeah. plus pounds. Like he can, not only can he scramble, he could run power in the red zone, which I love. If he's got to run somebody over to get to the goal line, you know, he's going to be able to do it. That's why I'm really interested to see how Kyle incorporates all those changes into his offense, because I think it's going to be, I mean, if he, if he really embraces it and sort of, you know, goes for it, I think he's going to come up with all sorts of crazy stuff, to be honest with you.
1: I think that is part of his draft strategy and we're kind of going out of order here, but that is the big part that I wanted to make about, you know, people talking about, did Kyle change his philosophy? I don't know that he necessarily changed his philosophy, But I do think he finally went out and got the guys that he wants to be able to run what he likes to run. He's never really done that. The Niners haven't really gone out and spent the capital to get the running backs that he wants, to get the quarterback he wants. And we all know quarterbacks obviously drive every offense in the NFL. But a lot of people like to say about Kyle Shanahan and his dad before him that the running backs drive that offense. It's a running offense first. And now he's gone out, and I think he's finally gotten the type of running backs that he wants. Not that Raheem Mostert is bad or anything, but I think he wanted a little bit more power. And the point I would make is, who is the most successful running back with Kyle Shanahan? Alfred Alfred Morris. Morris. Yeah, Alfred Morris. He wasn't a burner. Slow as
0: hell, Alfred
1: Morris. Yeah, he was a one-cut guy that had good ball carrier vision that when he saw any opening, he hit it. And he would consistently get four-plus yards and occasionally find a bigger opening. He wasn't a guy that gets the ball, and if he gets a crease, he's suddenly gone. It was, you know, that that's Raheem Mostert. He was a guy that was going to be methodical about getting his yards, and he put up a 1,600-plus rushing season as a rookie with Kyle Shanahan.
0: I loved the Trey Sermon pick. I, I thought it was Fantastic. The truth of the matter is, I think that Sermon could be RB2 by the time the season starts. I don't think Jeff Wilson has done anything so great that you automatically pencil him in that role. I agree that he provides a little power. And I mean, they were going to Kyle Uschek on fourth and short and, and goal line situations last year. That's really how much they did not have a power back. And that's why I like the the additions of the two guards. The guards that they drafted, Aaron Banks and Jalen Moore, are huge friggin' guys. Like, I think. Power is going to become a much bigger part of this offense. I think that this season, to me, is going to be about Kyle kind of emptying the bag a little bit. He's going to be able to run outside runs with Mostert. He's going to be able to run inside runs with with uh, Sermon. He's going to be able to do quarterback runs with Lance. Like He is going to have so many tools at his disposal. As ugly and awful as last year was, I think that's as fun as this year is going to be for Kyle Shanahan obviously if they're healthy and obviously if Lance plays the way he thinks he can play. Right. And I think a lot of
1: that is him wanting to fix the red zone because this offense moves the ball as well as any offense in the league. But then they tend to stall out in the red zone. I would not be surprised if you see a 49ers offense that resembles the Carolina Panthers Cam Newton offense just in the red zone. I mean, Outside of the red zone, they don't I don't think Kyle's gonna want to run too many times with Trey Lance. I don't think he I wants agree. his quarterback getting hit. But once you get to the red zone, that's kind of a different story. You prioritize scoring the touchdown. I could see an offense, and if you remember those Carolina Panther teams when Cam Newton was good, what receiver shined in it? The tight end. That was when Greg Olson was a really good tight end in the league. The tight end shined in that offense and they ran a lot of passes to the running backs and things like that, as well as using Cam as a runner because he's so big and strong that he's going to be able to get those short yardage. I could see in a red zone offense that resembles that because they have George Kittle as the tight end. They have backs who can receive. You can use a used check in that way. You can use Raheem Mostert, or you could even, you know, utilize Debo Samuel like we've kind of seen behind the line of scrimmage and things like that. That is a similar offense to what the Carolina Panthers ran with Cam Newton.
0: And in case you've forgotten, Cam Newton came into the league in 2011 and ran for 14 touchdowns. So, yeah, I think that they're going to use some of that stuff. There's this one clip of Lance in the red zone that I loved where he gets the ball. He takes like two steps forward like he's going to run and then he just lobs it into the end zone to a guy who's so wide open. Like, I guarantee you Kyle's going to install like a fake rush, throw to a wide open dude in the red zone. I am so excited to see all this stuff. I am, like, as excited as I've been for the 49ers probably since week one of last year. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie.
1: Well, Last year was a rough one.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, I, I'm
1: looking back up Greg Olson's stats, and he had basically averaged about 80 catches a season, and he had 3,000-yard receiving seasons early in Cam's career. Like, that is, I think, a very good model to run. And I hope they do it. And I think the Trey Sermon, as much as the Trey Lance pick, sig- sig- signals that this offense, he wants to be different when they get to the red zone. He and wants that, that power.
0: That's going to be the narrative this year. I could already see it from the national media. Kyle Shanahan is so different. He's doing everything different now. He's like a completely different coach because they all are going to continue to try to cover their ass Because they all said that the 49ers were getting Mac Jones and the 49ers picked Trey Lance. There have been so many guys in the media that have the national guys and even some of the local guys, to be honest with you, that have just tried to completely cover up and make it seem like the 49ers did this big smoke screen. They never did a smoke screen. The national people said it was going to be Mac Jones. Chris Sims said it was going to be Mac Jones. The 49ers never said it wasn't going to be Mac Jones. So they all hopped on board. Like the Niners didn't do anything to put this out there. They just didn't do anything to put it out. And now all these dudes are going to try and say that it was a big change from Kyle Shanahan and it was Mac Jones at first. And then they changed their mind. They're all covering their ass and they're all wrong and they all need to just take the L and sit with it it happens to everybody it's not a big deal but just admit you were wrong and move on you
1: don't even have to admit you're wrong i mean it kudos to you if you do but just shut up <laughs> <laughs> like like coming out and continuing to talk like no i wasn't wrong they just did this no you were wrong shut up Kyle we just talked about Kyle is a straight shooter he might not comment on everything he might do things where he appears somewhere that is more of a smokescreen than anything. And he might not comment on things that he doesn't want to comment on and allow things that are wrong to sit there. And he flat out admitted that about Mac Jones. That they allowed that to sit out there because they saw no reason to say anything about it. But he doesn't lie. If he says something, that's been the truth. That is his MO. That is what history tells you. And he flat out said that he sent video to John Lynch in January about Trey Lance They checked it out and decided we need to move up to get this guy. That was the guy that they moved up for. And then they looked into the others. But he also said that he was comfortable at 12 with either Jones or Lance before they traded up. So Jones was there in the beginning, but he wasn't the guy they traded up for.
0: You don't trade up because you want Mac Jones. You trade up because you don't want Mac Jones. Because I'm sure the first thing the 49ers did was say, "Okay, where are we in the draft? Which quarterbacks are likely to fall to us? And then they were like, Mac Jones is probably going to be the one. And then they assessed from there. Like, this isn't a difficult thing to understand. Yet, I'm reading tweets from this, like this from Tim Kawakami the day of the draft. <laughs> if at this point you think Jones is not the quarterback that Shanahan was targeting with the trade-up, just go to QAnon and never read me. What the hell are you talking about, Tim Kawakami? Like, What? I don't understand that tweet at all. It was completely logical to assume they wanted Lance or Fields or hell, maybe Wilson. I heard Wilson was really Shanahan's QB1 in this draft, and they didn't know for sure that the Jets were going to take Justin Fields. I think he would have been, if if the Jets took Fields at two, I think Kyle would have run to the podium for Zach Wilson, but they clearly didn't do it for Mac Jones, and these these guys just kind of let it go. I mean, I'm already one step ahead of TK. I
1: don't read him. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I I, don't know if he was always like this and I just didn't see it before. Because around the time that he went to the athletic is also around the time that I really got into Twitter, I'd kind of avoided it. And I actually respected him as a writer and I liked a lot of the things he wrote and was like, oh, that's. Like he was one of the reasons I was like, oh, cool. The Athletic got TK. And ever since, it seems like he got that big job and he's just trolling the fan base with his tweets. That's all he does. I mean, you have told me specifically that he tweets something out knowing it gets a reaction and then call the people out for getting the exact reaction he was looking
0: for. He he does do that. I completely agree. Um, I don't want to make this all about Tim. I just have noticed. <laughs> with the the Niners beat guys in general, and not just the Niners beat guys, honestly, like even a lot of the national guys, there has been almost like an arrogance there. Like if you don't think it's Mac Jones, you're dumb. If you don't, if you think it's anybody other than Mac Jones, you don't get it. You don't understand the NFL. We have all the secret info, the secret sources. We know what's up. You're dumb for even suggesting it. When everybody at Niners Nation was either Justin Fields or Trey Lance. Like, we're in it knee-deep every day, following the team, studying the team, and based on facts and what had occurred, we all concluded that it wasn't Mac Jones, and yet somehow we were laughed out of the room. And that's what really bugs me about all this, because it didn't take a genius, it didn't take an insider to be able to see where the 49ers were going. No,
1: but we're just aggregators, you know, over here. (laughs) To bring up another tweet from the past. (laughs) But no, it's it's ridiculous to me. And I'll be honest, I'm a little disappointed in the last couple of years with the beat writers of the Niners, the people that are there every single day, because there's very few of them that will call out the team or call out a decision. They are very friendly, put it that way.
0: Very friendly. Like, too friendly, like to the point of not doing the fans, not doing right by the fans, I think sometimes with how friendly they are.
1: And, and that really, it, that kind of strikes me to my core, because as a journalist, I was kind of the opposite. I would have been probably considered much closer to the Grant Cone, although I don't necessarily say things I don't really mean. Uh, I don't write things just to get the reaction. <laughs> but I was definitely somebody I didn't care if the team liked me or not. Like I'm here to report it, and I'm going to report it if that's what's happening. And uh, I know of at least one team in college, of my own college, that the coach basically cussed me out not not to <laughs> me, to the team, and said "f this guy" and used my stuff as bulletin board material. Like so that that stuff of just like avoiding writing negative things, which we haven't really seen that much. There's one really big. Instance that I can think of from the past year where Grant Cohn was the only one that talked about how Jed York was leaving a game early, which is what he did right before he got rid of Harbaugh. But I wonder how many stories out there that we've never gotten word on that we don't know because they never got reported.
0: And like, I understand that there is a fine line between hammering the team constantly and still wanting access to these guys. I totally get it. Like, look, I produce... Radio shows for years, I get that there is always a constant battle between honesty and access that never goes away, but it has clearly tilted in one direction. And it, at some point, you got to ask yourself, what is the point of all this access if I'm not using it to serve the people that I'm supposed to be here to serve? And I've always looked at this job as a service job. You are behind a microphone. You have a platform. We get to talk to people that the average fan doesn't get to talk to. And I think because of that, we have a responsibility to ask the questions and find out the information that the average fan wants to know. And I don't necessarily know that the 49ers beat guys do that as well as, say, the beat guys in Philly or New York or Boston. Maybe not Boston football, but Boston baseball, (laughs) definitely. Like Clearly, it's easier to be a coach in San Francisco than it is in other places.
1: I'll tell you this, it's not actually the writer's fault. There is one group of people that are responsible for thwarting this, so to speak. And I know this from my own history of being a sports reporter, because it's the same from an NFL level down to, you know, junior high or whatever you want to call the lowest level. It takes the editors and the managing editors, the non-sports people at these media groups, backing it up that's what it takes because it takes just say editors because that's something everybody understands it takes the editor being willing to say no that's the guy who covers the team because i have seen instances at both the college and high school level of the people who run the media for the team the sports information directors calling the editors and saying we don't want that guy here anymore because he actually reported something that happened (laughs) You know, that they didn't want out there. And it takes the editor saying, well, too bad. Is that true, what he said? It's true? Okay, well, then he's going to be their next game too. Or she is going to be there next game too. That's what it takes. But it also, there's the other side to it. You do have some reporters, and I'm not saying the beat writers for the 49ers are necessarily this way, but some reporters are there because they're enamored with the sport. They're there because of the, if you want to call it the glitz of it. And so they don't want to do anything to risk that. And they will ignore negative things. And it takes the editor saying, why didn't you report this? You should have reported on this. So it it really comes down to management.
0: That's fair. I I agree that you definitely need support from your superiors if you're going to do things that rankle feathers. Um, But I would like to see a little more rankling is my point. Um, And hopefully that changes. I don't think it's going to change, unfortunately. I know I criticize Grant Cohn a lot, but I do feel like he is probably the one who is willing to rankle feathers. I'm sure he's rankled Mike McGlinchey's feathers, God knows, over the years. But I hope that we get more of that because there's going to be so much juicy stuff now with a young quarterback coming in and just the whole Lance Garoppolo drama that's going to play out. There's going to be a lot of juicy stuff, and I want to know all of it, and I just hope we get that. That's all I'm saying.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. Once a a city or a team has a rep amongst the media and or has a relationship with the media, it's pretty tough to break because one person's not going to do it.
0: Well, if we ever get the opportunity, <laughs> I will. Like, I will ask anybody any question. I There's no point in doing this if you're not going to ask those questions. So, you know, I had an old boss who had a great line. He said, you can do anything once. You know, I may only get the opportunity to ask one question, but I promise you, if I do, I will ask it. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Gold Standard Podcast. Again, subscribe to the Niners Nation podcast feed, rate, review. We always appreciate it. By the way, we appreciate all the voicemails you guys have left on the Niners Nation Hot Take Hotline. They have been fantastic to listen to. Are any of them Jed York? (laughs) As far as I know, no. But Jed... If you're listening, let me give out the number. It is 415-409-8220. Call us up. Tell us we're idiots. Drop your hottest 49ers hot take. We are happy to play them on the show. Levin, I thank you for joining me. I did miss you. I don't miss you anymore. So maybe next week we take a week off and I don't have to deal with you.
1: (laughs) We can't miss number 39. There's no real particular reason. It's just number 39. (laughs) <laughs> that...
0: oh no i got confused i thought jaquisky tart was changing his number to 39 but it's not he's changing it to 26,
1: 26. yeah screw that stuff
0: all right old man yells at cloud to end the show <laughs> very nice <laughs>